I am because of I am. I am because of I am. August the 5th, 2010. For most of you, and perhaps for all of you, that date means nothing. But for the families of 33 Chilean miners, it was a day that changed their lives. On that day, there was a cave-in in the mine where they worked, and those 33 men were trapped in the darkness 2,300 feet below the earth. They stayed there for 68 long days. For a chunk of that time, they had no idea that anyone even knew that they were alive, and there seemed to be no hope. Finally, somewhere in the process, a hole was drilled where they could get air and a microphone down. And what they heard was this. We're coming. We're coming. And at that moment, there was hope born. A promise was made that help was on the way. And sure enough, after 68 days, The second hole was drilled, and one by one, they rose to the surface. Incredible story. It it filled the headlines across the world. People applauded because everyone loves a great rescue story. They love a story when someone's in peril and it comes out good. That is what the book of Exodus is. It is the greatest rescue story. The second book of the Bible, Genesis Exodus, interestingly enough, in in the Hebrew, the Hebrew name for the book of Exodus is, these are the names. Sometime before the birth of Jesus Christ, when the Old Testament was translated into Greek, the Greek scholars chose the name Exodus, which means exit. It's a story of redemption. In fact, it is the greatest story of redemption in the Old Testament. And as we look forward to the cross Perhaps no other book with all its stories, with Moses being a figurative Christ, with the Passover being a figurative sacrificial lamb, no other story points toward Jesus Christ like this book. Today we want to tell part of a great rescue story. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Exodus in chapter 3, verses 7 through 15, and then we're going to touch on John chapter 8, verses 57 and 58. Exodus chapter 3, the second book in the Bible, Genesis, and now Exodus. Now, in order for me to get the story going, I've got to take a few moments and introduce some people to you. We already heard from, about God on the first Sunday in January. We met God, we met us, we met the devil, and we met a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, in a few moments, there are three key players in this. One is God, and we'll talk about him in a moment. We're going to talk about Moses in just a moment, and we'll tell about who he is. But I've got to tell you a little bit of a story about this group of people, because they are the ones needing rescue. The story goes something like this, very briefly. There was a guy named Jacob, and by the way, interestingly, his name was called later Israel, and that's why there's a nation of Israel today, and that's why people are called that are Jewish, they're called Israelites, are citizens of Israel. So a guy named Jacob had 12 kids, 12 sons. 
And so there was one guy named Joseph, and, and he was a little bit boastful, a little bit proud, but God had made some great promises to him. And the other guys decided they'd had enough of Joseph and all his pomp and circumstance, and they decided to ship him off. So they sold him. They're going to kill him, and they backed out of that. And they sold him into slavery, and he ends up in a place called Egypt. And through one of the most incredible stories, all right, in God's Word, Joseph ends up in prison and then ends up being second in charge in Egypt. It all happened because Pharaoh had a dream and God enabled uh, Joseph to interpret the dream. And the dream said there's going to be seven abundant years in Egypt and seven lean years. And the lean years are going to be so bad they'll consume Egypt even though it was the seven abundance years. So, so Pharaoh said, well, we need somebody really smart to be in charge of the food then. And, and amazingly, he chose Joseph. So Joseph became second in command. When the famine came, his brothers show up that sold him into, into slavery and, and ends up the whole family's down in Egypt. And it's a great story. And, and because Pharaoh liked Joseph, Pharaoh liked the family. Gave them the land of Goshen, great territory, great place to live. And, and then the Pharaoh that knew Joseph died. And then Joseph died. It wasn't long, some years passed, that all of a sudden the Pharaohs started seeing the children of Israel multiplying and said, you know, this could really be a problem. So they went from favored status to slaves. And what began as probably 60 or 70 people over 430 years. Can you say 430 years? Over 430 years, they multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and became this huge group of slaves. They, had no, they weren't a country. They weren't a nation. Um, most of them had really forgotten even who God was because, again, God didn't speak to them, as far as we know, throughout that time period. So they kind of, some were faithful, some hung on to it, but by and large, as a nation, they heard stories about God, but all they knew is they were slaves. And life was really, really bad. They got up in the morning. They did what Pharaoh said. They went to bed tonight, at night and came back and did this all over again. And success in their eyes was waking up in the morning. Because if you didn't wake up, that means you died a slave. 430 years. That was life. And these are the people that need rescuing. Because God had made a problem, a promise to Jacob that he was going to bring those people to a land flowing with milk and honey. And all they could see was slavery. They thought God had forgot them. Ever been there before? Ever seemed like in your life that God's forgotten you? Well, that's exactly how they felt. So finally, God says, I'm ready to act. He needs a volunteer. Kind of like the army volunteers. I need a volunteer, you. Well, on another, while that's going on, okay, we're probably um, about 370 years into the captivity when they're all slaves. There was a kid born, a Hebrew kid. And, and Pharaoh had developed this nasty habit of killing baby boys in a way to control the Jewish population, the Hebrew population. So he had told the, the, uh, the uh, Jewish housewives to kill the babies, and then if he found them, he chucked them into the Nile. Not a very good society to live in. So, so Jochebed, a Hebrew woman, took this baby boy named Moses that was born and decided the fate of the river was better than the fate of Pharaoh. 
So she takes a basket, puts some tar and pitch inside so it doesn't sing, and puts the baby into a basket and puts it in the Nile. And just by circumstance, hello, just by chance, this basket floats down right in front of where Pharaoh and all the princes bathe and do their thing. And Moses cries, and the princess hears his baby crying, takes it and says, aww. Everybody go, aww. Aww. Found the baby, takes the baby into her house and raises it as her own, and he is raised as the son of Pharaoh. And for 40 years, say 40 years. See the time, how long? 400 years, 40 years? 40 years passes, and he's raised as the son of Pharaoh. Well, one day the dude finds out and realizes that he's Hebrew. He goes, wait a minute, I need to identify my people here. So he goes out, and the Hebrew, uh, the uh, slave master from the, from the Egyptians was beaten on a Hebrew slave. And, and this guy named Moses had enough of that, so he kills the, the taskmaster. Bad thing. All of a sudden, he's a traitor of Egypt, and basically gets run out of town on a rail, crosses the desert, and ends up in a place with Jethro's house, who now became his father-in-law, and guess what he becomes? A shepherd. So here's a dude that was raised in Pharaoh's household, the best of everything, and now he's a shepherd on the back side of the desert. Ever been to the back side of the desert? Ever seem like your life is dry and hopeless? And guess how long he stayed there? Forty years. And his life consisted of waking up, taking care of the sheep, and going to sleep. Waking up, taking care of the sheep, and going to sleep. Well, one day he's out taking care of these sheep. He looks over to the side, and he sees something. He sees a bush on fire. That's not unusual. What's unusual was is that the bush was not burning up. So he said, I've got to go see what this is. I've not seen this before. I've seen burning bushes. I've never seen a burning bush that doesn't burn up. So he goes over, and as he approaches the bush, the bush talks. Now, if it's a president, you expect that. But this wasn't a president. It was a human. It was a bush. And so basically, the bush says, God says from the bush, hey, take off your shoes because the ground you're standing on is holy ground. So he takes his shoes off, and then God, through the bush, begins talking to Moses. And that's where our story begins today. We have a people in need of rescue And we finally, after 400 years, have God finally talking about rescuing them. Here's what the story says. The Bible says, Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt. Now, let me just pause there. Basically, if you don't like the word observe, and I like this word better, I see. Say, I see. Now, now this is important. Watch. I see the misery of... Of my people in Egypt. Now, after 400 years, you could, if you'd asked the Hebrews and said, Hey, do you think God sees your misery? And they said, No. And someone sitting here today, someone listening to the sound of my voice on the radio, it's been so long since you've heard from God. If you're to say, Do you think God sees your misery? You say, No. God doesn't care. Time had passed. Faith had waned to the point where the Jewish people did not believe that God saw. And so he says, you need to know this. I see the misery of my people in Egypt. And I want to tell you as your pastor, 
God sees your misery today. Dave could not have picked a better song to sing. God will make a way. And God sees you where you are. Satan will tell you God is blind, that God does not care, that God does not see. But God himself says, I see the misery of my people. And it wasn't just the misery of the people in Egypt. It's us. So if your life is pretty miserable right now, you know something. God sees. He goes a step further. He says, I see the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I just wonder, I don't know, I wonder sometimes, and this is not too far-fetched, God heard the people crying out. Some people were crying out, I'm sure, cursing to God. Because again, God was a distant figure. I mean, they had no, really no, no idea who God was. They heard stories after 400 years about a God, but that's all they knew. But there was faithful people. There were faithful people. And those faithful people from generation to generation, from generation to generation, from century to century, from decade to decade, passed it on. There is a God, and He sees, and He hears our prayers. You probably couldn't convince most of the Hebrews that, that day, but there was a core group who believed. And I bet under the sound of my voice today, either on the radio or here in the sanctuary, there are people today who say, God doesn't hear my prayers. I pray and it seems like heaven is brass. It seems like God doesn't hear anything I ask for. I want to tell you something. God hears. You need to know that. God hears. I am grateful, and I bet there's some Hebrews that were grateful, that the faithful few kept on praying. They just refused to quit. He said, I have heard the cries of my people because of their oppressors. And I know about their sufferings. Now again, I'm sure to the average Hebrew, God doesn't know anything. We don't even know if God exists. Perhaps he's just a myth that was passed on by some of our grandfathers and grandmothers. God doesn't know. And the sound of my voice. There's someone here today, and you're saying this, God doesn't know about my sufferings. God doesn't know my heart is broken. God doesn't care. If God cared, he would da-da, 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 da-da. Let me tell you this. There's something you know about God. God does see. God does hear. And God does know. But God does not act on your timetable. He acts on His. And God does not act on your way. He acts on His way. Because I'm promising what the Hebrews had in mind for a deliverer was not some old 80-year-old shepherd from the backside of the desert with a stick in his hand. But you put that old haggard shepherd, 80 years old, with a stick in his hand and put Almighty God in his life and he becomes a formidable foe. That's what you need to know. But the deceiver will tell you. Remember the deceiver? We met him in the garden. The deceiver will tell you, God doesn't care. God doesn't hear. And God doesn't know. He does. He does. He goes on and says this. I have come down 
to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good land. I like this. I have come. It's time. 400 years have passed. It's time for a rescue. And I don't know when it's going to be in your life. But if it's for your eternal soul, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And if it's in your dark time of your life, I don't know when your day of rescue will come. But I promise you there will be a day of rescue. God will come to rescue you. And it may be at the end of your life. It may not be in this kingdom, in this world, but another kingdom in another world. But God is a rescuing God. And just, can I just give you a nugget? Look what he says here. I have come to take them from that land. What was that land? That land was slavery. That land was leeks. That land was onions. That land was taskmasters. That land was beatings. That land was just getting by. That land was sorrow. That land was death. That land was bondage. He said, I've come to take them from that land to a good land. To a spacious land. And let me tell you something. When God does a rescue, He does it right. He takes you from bondage and from sorrow and sickness and pain and takes you to a better land with Him. That's what it is. I'm telling you. That's what it is. But remember, it's on God's terms because He goes on and tells them, oh, by the way, this land has the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Pezrites and the Hittites and the Jebusites, and that's their land. That means there's going to be some battles. Because the Canaanites were going to show them, oh, y'all the children of Israel? Is that who y'all are? Sure, come on in. We'll give you our houses and our cows and our food. Y'all come on. We'll go find another place to live. Huh? God never said there wouldn't be a battle. He just said, you stay with me and you're going to win. And life, you're going to have battles, but you stick with God, and you're going to win. You're going to win. So he says, this land has this, and watch this. Verse 9. The Israelites cry for help has come to me, and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Listen, I've heard their cry. Now, y'all going to like this part. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. I have heard their cry, God says, and I've seen them Egyptians, and there's payback. Come on now. Some of y'all been wanting payback a long time. Someone done whooped up on you and hurt you, and you say, I want payback. Have you ever seen, you know, when your mama says when you offended you hurt your brother? I know we do this a lot with, with Hope and Ethan. You know, when Hope decides to whoop up on Ethan, Jonathan go, I saw that. God says, I have seen, Hope, I've seen you. One day it's going to be Ethan, I saw you. God sees, and listen, God's going to pay back. God's going to pay back. You, you lead the vengeance to him. I mean, God, let me tell you what, God restores what Satan takes and pays him back more than you can imagine. There is a lake of fire waiting for the devil where he will burn Forever and ever and ever, and there's not one stinking thing he can do about it. No, come on now, nothing he can do to change that course. He can't take, he can't eat a bunch of Cheerios and whoop up on God. He can't be Popeye the Sailor Man and get his spinach. God is all powerful, and He will win ultimately. There's a God who sees, hears, and knows. 
the God who sees and acts. Not in your time. Well, Dwayne, how and when? I don't know that for you, and I would not dare promise that. You know, again, Brother Joel Olstein likes to say your best life now. Your life, your best life probably won't be now. But there's coming a place where there will be a good life. And it's a place called heaven. A place called heaven. Then we move on to the God who calls and equips. So God says, I've seen what's going on. It ain't good. I've decided it's time for a rescue mission. And here's what he says. Without any further to do, he says, therefore, because of the need, because I see my children of Israel, I hear my children of Israel, I know what's going on, it's time for rescue, therefore, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. He says, Moses, you're the man. Moses, you're the one I've chosen. And I'm sure Moses looked down at, and this time people are living about 110 years old, 120 years old. And so he's, you know, he's looking down and going, man, I'm 80 years old. And I'm a shepherd out of that side of the desert. I mean, my, my big responsibility in life is to take care of a few sheep. And you're telling me that you want me to go to Pharaoh and lead these people out. By the way, estimates 2 million people. At this time, from 60 or 70 to 2 million people. So Moses asked a logical question. He says, who am I, verse 10, that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? God, I'm not Mr. Bush, Mr. Burning Bush. I'm not questioning you. But can I tell you just a little bit about me? You see, I was... I was raised in Egypt's finery. I suppose you didn't know that. For 40 years, I was, I was to possibly have assumed the throne in Egypt. But one day, I decided to do things my way. And when you do things my way, you know, Lord, you kind of mess up. And I don't suppose you read the headlines that day, but I got ran out of town on a rail. And I spent the last 40 years, of, and it's been a good life, it's been a simple life, but I spent the last 40 years of my life tending sheep. God, don't you know that I'm a failure? God, don't you know that I made so many mistakes? God, don't you know that I'm a murderer? I mean, my goodness, who am I, God, that you would use me? Interesting question. And God had, I think, a more interesting answer. Because he says, he answered verse 12, I will certainly be with you. In other words, Moses, can I just agree with you? Yes, I'm aware that you were 40 years under Pharaoh's hand and you were mighty at that time. I'm aware you did things your own way. I'm aware you murdered a person, at least one. I'm aware that you were cast out of Egypt, ashamed, run out of town on a rail. I know you spent the last 40 years on the backside of the desert. In fact, I kind of arranged that so we could get some of that Egypt junk out of you. I know that. I know all your weaknesses. I know all your oops. I know all your boo-boos. 
I know all your sin. But Moses, I'm going to be with you. Now Moses, here's the gig. Son, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you're a zero. But one plus zero removes a zero forever. One plus zero is always one. And when the one happens to be Almighty God, you can never be a zero again. You don't need a million plus a zero. You don't need thousands plus a zero. All you need is one. In fact, all you need is the one, and you're no longer a zero. So no matter what you've done, no matter your failures, no matter how many times you think you slipped up, no matter how many mud puddles you fell into, how many times you messed up in your marriage, how many times you messed up with your parents, how many times you did this, how many times you failed on a job, how many times you started a career, how many times you made fresh starts, how many times you made new resolutions. God says you may fail, but you will never be a zero again. That's good news. That applies to every one of you sitting there and the man standing on the stage and every person that's on the radio. You plus God makes a powerful team. You and God are tremendously powerful. Don't let Satan tell you otherwise. Who am I? Well, with me, you're a lot. And by the way, some of y'all really need to hear that because you still get up in the morning and say, God, I know you're blessed. Now I'm on your side. You just need to realize, without God, you're a zero. So the book says, I didn't come up with that. He goes on and says this. I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you, that I have sent you, you, when you bring, when? Now, didn't say, did he say if? Did he say, if it happens? No, no. He says, when you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God on this mountain. Hey, Moses, it's going to happen. There is victory. And listen, when it happens, when the victory happens, you're going to worship this God. See, that? by the way, the whole purpose of redemption is to worship Him. He wants to come into relationship with us so we can worship Him. He created, we are created for worship. He says, the sign will be, you're going to come back to this mountain. And you're not going to be some old beat-up old shepherd. You're going to be a leader of a million or two people. And you are going to lead them to worship me on this mountain. Isn't that cool? Come on, isn't that cool? Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. He goes on and says this. Then Moses asked God, okay, God, now assuming that this is all right, that, that with you I can do anything, and you're calling me, and I'm a zero, but if I add plus one, I'll never be a zero again. I, I heard all that, God. Um... But, but if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? Now, see, that lines up what I've been telling you. After 400 years, the Hebrews have lost their identity. I mean, when you're in dark times, when you're in slavery and bondage, you have a tendency to forget God, just like in your life today. And the more... You forget God, the darker it gets. It gets darker and darker. So, so God, I guess my question is this. Before I go, who are you? 
Moses, Moses didn't know. I, and he knew, he, was, he knew it was a bush talking. But God, who are you? Who, who do I tell the Israelites? If I go down there and they say, well, why are you here and who sent you? And they say, well, God sent me. Then, then tell us his name. And that leads us to the God who is I am and I am. Here's what it says. God replied to Moses, that is too deep for you to understand. That is really not important. There's nothing in a name anyway. No, God replies and says, I am who I am. There's a couple things about this you've got to know. First off, we're pretty sure that that translated in Hebrew. See, the Hebrews so revered the, the actual name of God that they forgot how to pronounce it. They, would, they refused to say the true name of God because it was so revered to them. But the best we know, the Hebrew translation is Jehovah. The God who is. Now this is cool. The way this is worded in the Hebrew, it implies in the structure of the Hebrew language, end of discussion. So when he said, tell them, or I am who I am, end of discussion. I told you, back in Genesis 1, when, when the Bible says in the beginning, God, listen, He doesn't need your defense. He doesn't need your apology. He doesn't need you to say, but, but, but for Him. He's God. He is God. And Mr. Liberal World, if that's not good for you, that's fine. But He's God. And Mr. Liberal Thinker, here in the sanctuary on the radio, if that's not enough, that's fine. He's God. He's God. I'm all for apologetics. I'm all for being able to defend your faith. But He is God. You ever had a thing with your kids? Daddy? Yeah. Can I go out tonight with so-and-so? That loser? I don't think so. Oh, come on, Daddy. He's, you know, everybody needs a little redemption in their lives, and I can redeem him. I don't think it's going to happen. Now, Daddy, come on now, Dad. Come on, Dad. You know he's a good boy. He, he comes from a good family. His dad will be out of prison next week. Now, now come on, Daddy. Come on. I said, no. I said, but, but Daddy, listen, he, he's popular at school. He's cute. He's good looking. He's tall. He's on the football team. He's muscular. Come on, Daddy. And then you reach the phone and you say, I said no, and that's final. Well, friend, God is saying, I am who I am, and that's final. That's the context of the Hebrew. I'm God, and that's final. And saying I am. He goes on and says it more. He says, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. Well, who's all-powerful? I am. Who's all-knowing? I am. Who can be everywhere back with the children of Israel in slavery and talking from a bush? Who can be both places at one time? I can. I am. See, I am is timeless. It's not I was, I am, I will be, because God knows no limit of time. God's not bound by centuries. Some of you folks who like to pray on Monday and you're mad because you're going to answer on Tuesday, you've got to understand something. God doesn't know time. 
Time is the man's creation. Let God work in his time, because that's what he's going to do. He's never late. Mama T, not even four days. He's got his time. Tell him I am. He, he is the answer to your greatest questions. Who, who's greater than your sin? I am. Who's greater than your fears? I am. Who's able to forgive? I am. Who can walk with you through your darkest valley? I can, I am. And on and on. He is the answer you are looking for in your life. But I want you to hear something now. I've been, I've been teaching this because I'm trying to dispel something we got lodged in our thick heads. So if, if He is greater than my fears and greater than my sorrow and greater than my bondage and greater than this and greater than that, so does that mean I just say, hey, God, I won't, He gets? God would say, no, 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 that's the guy in the red suit. And by the way, He'll disappoint you. No, no, see, I'm not Santa Claus. I am. I'm God. I'm the creator, and you are the created. So, so God, so, 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 here, so, so, so you're saying that all I've got to do is say, I wish, and shazam! No, that would be the guy who lives in the bottle. You know, you rub it, and he pops out and goes, three wishes. No, he'd say, see, now come on now. I'm God. I love you. I, I love you so much that I sent my son Jesus to die on a cross that you could come in relationship with me. I love you enough. And mom and dad, y'all need to hear this. I love you enough to sometimes say no. We all going to live long enough to be thankful for unanswered prayers. I... I love you enough sometimes to say yes. I love you sometimes to say not now. I love you enough to rescue your soul and to rescue your life. I love you. I love you enough to do whatever it takes for you. That's how much I love you. Hmm. I am. I am. I am. Incredible. Incredible. But he says... Let, let me help you. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites. Here we go. Yahweh. The personal name of God. Translated so in the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Yahweh. The God of your fathers. The God of Abraham, Paul. Y'all remember Abraham? No, not y'all. Y'all remember Abraham? See, if you go back and tell them Abraham, they'll go, Abraham. Yeah, yeah, we remember Abraham. Abraham, Abraham was a pagan. He had no clue about God. And one day, God showed up and said, I want you to leave all that behind and go to a country where I'm going to show you. And, and he didn't know where the country was. He had to go home and tell his wife, honey, we're moving. Great, where are we going? He goes, I don't have a clue. God just showed up and said, you know, God, who, what's God? God. God just showed up and said, we're going to a new place and we're going. You remember that God? Oh, yeah, yeah, the God of Abraham. The God who can take pagans and turn them into patriarchs. I know that God. Yeah, well, that, that's the God. That's the God. Uh, the, the God of Isaac. Remember Isaac? Oh, yeah, Isaac, yeah. That was Abraham's son. 
born when Abraham was 100 years old. Yeah, we, we remember that story. And, and, and God had made a promise that, I, that he would have a son, and Isaiah, Isaiah was the fulfillment of that promise. That's right. That's right. You're exactly right. See, because the God I am is a promise-fulfilling God. Come on, children. A promise-fulfilling God. Now, remember now, he's got to make a promise to you. If I, if I could promise Pooter, I'm going to take her to Old Charlie's Friday night. I don't want Jesse Wilhelm showing up. I'm here to go to Old Charlie's. Because I'm going to say, I didn't promise you. Some, we, we Christians have a bad habit of claiming promises that aren't ours to claim. If God's Word makes a promise to a believer, amen. But it makes a promise to somewhere by an Old Testament, be careful. All right? But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, and... Not only said the promise. You remember those from Isaiah? Oh yeah, yeah. Or Isaac? I remember Isaac. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 God told him to go up on the mountain and offer a sacrifice, and and Isaac was going along with Abraham, and and yeah, and they had the fire and everything. And so Isaac kind of looks at Dad and goes, Dad, we got the fire and the wood and stuff. Like, where's where's the sacrifice? He didn't put two and two together and get four yet. And you know what Abraham said? God Himself will provide the sacrifice. And that day, when God had said, Abraham, you should be willing to offer your own son on the altar, God stopped the hand of Abraham, and over in the thicket was a ram. You remember that, Isaac? Oh, yeah, I remember that, Isaac. Well, that's the God who sent me. Remember God, Jacob? Yeah. Incredible promises made. And by the way, if you're reading his story, not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday, you're going to start reading the story of Jacob. His story, my story. Mark it down. Genesis chapter 35. It's coming up. If you're reading your Bible through, his story, my story, it's coming up. You'll get to know all about Jacob. Remember Jacob? Yeah, 12 sons. And God miraculously saved the family through, through Joseph. Yeah, yeah, we remember that. That's the God. I am. And, and he goes, and by the way, this is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation, I am. Generations to come. Who's God? I am. Timeless, all-powerful, all-knowing. God. Let's not twist it up in the 21st century. Let's get back to the book. And not some candy-down version that makes us feel good about ourselves. Let's get back and let God be God in this world. Obeying Him, loving Him, serving Him, and yes, maybe reluctantly, even understanding when it does happen, when we want it and how we want it. I am. And then to close her up, we're going to fast forward now about 3,000 years. Exodus was, the Exodus took place about 1446 B.C. So we're going forward 1,500 and something years. And a guy named Jesus was born. We just celebrated his birth. And Jesus is making some incredible claims about who he is. And he's in a heated discussion with the Pharisees. He says this, Your father... Abraham rejoiced to see, Jesus said, my day. And he saw it and was glad. 
Then the Jews said to him, Why, you're not even 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, say it with me, I am. 20 or 15, 1600, 1700 years past, Jesus is born and God becomes man. And what the Exodus foreshadowed now happens. When Jesus said, I am, capital letters, He says, let me tell you something. Yes, I knew Abraham. In fact, Adam and I were real close. Because I'm not mere flesh. I am the Son of God. I am God in the flesh. I am. And because of that, he could say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. To those of you who are hungry today, he says, I am the bread of life. To some of you who are thirsting for the true meaning of life, he says, I am the living water. For some of you who want protection and guidance, he says, I am the good shepherd. For some of you looking for the way, he says, I am the door. Brothers and sisters, I am. For my friend here today without Jesus, For my friend who's struggling through life, trying to make sense of all of this, you're looking for I am. You won't find it in religion. You won't find it in the Baptist denomination. You won't find it in starting this and stopping that. You won't find it by starting a new leaf, flipping over a new start, trying something different. But you will find it in a relationship with holy God. And that's what this is about. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Word of God said that the wages of sin was death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Someone had to die for sin. And God became flesh. God became flesh, was nailed to a cross, and died. But he decided not to stay dead. Come on now. And on the third day, up from the grave, he arose. And he lives today to make a difference in your life. Your life. To my brothers and sisters, you know Jesus. But maybe for whatever reason, it's just been a long time. Maybe a long time since you fell in clothes. A long time since he seemed to answer your prayer. A long time. And you find yourself saying, does God see? Does God know? Does God hear? May I just say yes, yes, yes. And Dave, you said something about trusting God. And that's exactly right. When it makes no sense, when it's been a long time, when your heart is breaking, trust God. And it may be tomorrow. It may be a year. It may be on the other side of this life. But He is going to rescue you. Because He is a rescuing God. Would you bow your heads, please?
How about it, friend? Incredible story, isn't it? You really need to read your Bible. You really need to read your Bible. It's not too late. We've got the books available in the back. You really need to read your Bible. It's an incredible story. And if you're not a believer, you ought to read the Bible. It's incredible reading. We always end our service with a, a time of decision. And I always ask my friend, Brother Brent, to stand down here in the front. He's the answer guy. And today, if you're here, and you really would love to have a relationship with this God I've described, that's all-powerful, that's all-knowing. Yes, he works on his schedule. Yes, he answers prayers his way, not our way. But you realize that you've sinned against him and that you need forgiveness. That's what the cross was all about. We can't earn it. We can only receive it. And Jesus paid the price. I know you've got nine zillion questions about that. And my friend Brent will be standing down front in just a moment. And we'll take, what we'll do is, if you'll come and say, Brent, I want to know this God, this I am God. I, I, I want to know Him. And Brent will take, or a friend of his will take, the Word of God and show you how you can have a relationship. Will we answer all your questions? Probably not. But we'll definitely give you enough knowledge to know, you know what? This is true, and this is what I need to do in my life. Brent will be waiting down front. Perhaps you're here today, and you are a God follower. You are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. But maybe it's been a long time. Maybe you find yourself questioning God, going, does He even care? Does He see? Does He know? Where are you, God? Why don't you talk to Him about it? That's what prayer is. Talk. If you just need to be bluntly honest with him, be bluntly honest. He can handle that. He can handle you. So I want to invite you to come to the altar, or maybe make your altar right there, and just talk to the great I am today. Say, God, I'm hurting. I asked and you didn't give. I needed you and it didn't seem like you were there. I prayed for my husband to be saved and it didn't happen, God. God, I need to know. I need some answers. And he may just give you a good peace. He may give you a confident assurance. He may give you an answer. I want to tell you this. He'll be there. If we can pray with you, the altar is open this morning. And again, Brother Brent will be standing to receive you down here.